He won't win the presidency, but but I mean I think it might come down to Bloomberg or Trump. I think of the guy that has enough money. I was thinking Biden, you know. But no, Biden's like he's damaged goods. Nobody will vote for him. Well, we're on, huh? Yeah. There's me talking about it. Oh, I tag you. You got it. Oh, they didn't hear me. Damn it. Oh, two people watching. Me and you. Oh, Herb, what's up, Herb? Tiffany's watching. Shout out to Tiffany. Hello, people. Um, should I hit record? We ready to go, bro? Give me like one, give me one second. One second. Oh, yeah, here we go. Technical problem. You know, it was funny. Monday Night Raw, that horrible segment with this uh, woman named Lana and uh, and um, Bobby Lashley was the higher rated segment they had in years. Really? The ratings of wrestling have gone, but they do. You know what? It's like Vince Russo was right. You need a story. Wrestling, everybody knows wrestling, but yeah. when you script good storyline mm-hmm. that people like the Stone Cold, you need to do line with wrestling that. like that. Yeah. You need to have that. All right. We're ready? Yep. I'm going to hit this. A little Tiffany oh. Irv. Yeah, they're here. They're watching. Yep. Hello, people, and welcome to the number one show on podcast for rock and rock. roll. The rock show. The number one yep. show for we information. Rule. We rule, man. We rule. We're doing good stuff here. Yep. We're working our way. We got video. We're on Instagram. We're on we're on YouTube, we're on Pandora, we're on Pandora. just picked us up, we're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, we're on some foreign site too, I think that I, know. <laughs> that I, know. I die for every time when I hear that. Taking over the nation one lumped one, up day one, at a time. One lumped up day at a time. <laughs> it's going to be hard when Sober March comes in. The, <laughs> you know what? What are going to do with Sober March? I'm going to do a Sober March because that's what everybody else Everybody's is getting doing drunk. January? I'm getting yeah. sober. Okay. Why do January? January is the month you did. And, um, yeah, I, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know what? The uh, rock show goes out to uh, we those two people, members of yeah. the family. Sad so start Zach to the new year. Zach Milliard. And, and um, Stuart. Zach, Stuart Holmes. Zach, I, I, I knew a little bit. Uh, he had that banana podcast. Oh, banana yeah, the banana show, show, yeah. Right? And he, you know, he, we spoke a couple of times about being on each other's shows. And, and now yeah. we can't fucking no. Uh, but uh, you know his partner Anthony's still alive. We'll reach out to him. His girlfriend yeah, Catherine's that's alive. That's true. And I like to reach out to Stuart Home and his family. I know Stuart was the manager at McDonald's. Stewie, yeah. He used to um, go to Bull Street all the time with his wife, and he passed away. So, uh, you know, with heavy heart, we got some people that have passed away. But um, you know what? Like everything else, we got to go on. You know, we, it's sad. As it's we a get rough older, man, we'll be seeing more of this. That's no, my old man told me something. The older you get, the more people you gonna see he die. Makes sense. I'm like, okay, you're right, Dad. Yep, yep, yep. So today we have a little show called The Rock Show. This is episode 48, and we talk about Abacus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not Abbott and Costello. <laughs> Elvis Costello. Costello. Elvis I Costello. almost call him Abbott and Costello. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he got he got the name Costello from Lou Costello. 
Oh, got, did he? Yes, he did. Because his real name is like something no, his McCadney. Name, his name or... is Declan, Declan Patrick McManus. McManus, okay. yeah, that's what his but real name is. But when he changed his name, he, he, he used Costello because he was a Lou Costello fan. Albert wow, Costello. Albert Costello. Yeah. I almost called him. <laughs> You're not really wrong. <laughs> All right, so uh, Elvis Costello is, is an interesting guy. He's a, a great songwriter. So uh, before we start, can I shit on him? Sure. He's not like one of my favorite guys, no. I got to say. No. The no. only reason, like, you know, he's a favorite songwriter. He was in, um, he was in actually the Rolling Stone one top 100 artists. He's number 80. No, he's think, up there. I think, he's he's, a, I think that's fitting for him. I, I can see him as an 80, even a 90. Not, yeah. You know? He's not going to be in the top 10. But he's not. I, I, I like I like I'm a fan of like the first three albums and then some scattered stuff after that. But he's an interesting guy. I wanna give a little information on him. We can shit on him too. We deserve it. All right, he he's deserve kind it. of a douchebag in some ways. <laughs> All right. But we'll get into that. All right. Uh, he was born August 25th, 1954. His name was Declan Patrick McManus yep. in Paddington, London. Paddington, uh, London. Which is kind of up near the Liverpool area. Have you ever been to Paddington, London? No. Well, it's, he actually moved to Liverpool. It's not in the Liverpool oh, area. Oh, okay. But Paddington, no, I've never even been to England, man. Oh. I'd like to go in. Um, his father's name was Ross McManus, uh, and his mother's name was Lillian Alder. So one uh, was... Lillian was from Liverpool. And the other one was English, He right? was an Irish guy. Irish, he was Irish, Irish guy. I say, yeah. Okay. Uh, he With was that a, name. Uh, he yeah. was a jazz trumpeter. Okay, so there was a lot of music in the household where he was growing up. Uh, he had a very Catholic upbringing. When he was 16 years old, uh, his mother and him moved to Birkenhead near Liverpool. Okay. And his first band was called uh, Rusty. And it was kind of like a folk, hippie-ish kind of band. But in 1974... After he finished college, uh, he but worked. He started young, right? Like yeah, he, well, he started as a teenager. A teenager, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he worked a variety of different jobs, office jobs, and he moved back to London. Yeah. Uh, he started that at that point in England in the early 70s, 74, 73. Pub rock was very big. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pub rock, uh, yeah. You know, Mick Jones from The Clash started in yes. that. Joe Strummer from The Clash yeah. started in that scene. Uh, he had put a, a pub rock band together called Flip City, and that band was active between 1974 and 76. He actually was getting a little notoriety. In that, he was yeah. coming in yeah. and like... Yeah. Now, in 1974, he actually did a commercial with his father, an advertisement. Okay? Oh. His father was a jazz trumpeter, and he sang, and it was for a company called Wright, uh, R. R. White's Lemonade. It's like a soda. Okay? And it that was, sounds it was so fun, wrong. It was, uh, like today, White's lemonade. His father sang the commercial, and he's in the commercial singing it with him in the background. Does it say that one lemonade black people won't drink? That sounds very racist. It that does. <laughs> all white. All white. Come on, that's a horrible day for fucking lemonade. People didn't go there back then. Oh my they, god, they weren't thinking on those lines. God. Imagine take the name today. Yeah, you could. Did <laughs> have a problem? You have a big problem. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, that commercial actually won an award and everything. It's funny, but uh, he was an avid songwriter all the time from when he was young, and he he was very assertive. He got himself signed to Stiff Records in 1976. Stiff Records. Right. Now, at that point, he was using the name D.P. Costello. Yeah. And the people at Stiff said, "Now nah, you should change your name." And he decided to change it to Elvis Costello. Elvis because of Presley, Costello because of Lou Costello. Costello. Yep. Um, his first single on Stiff 
was a song called Less Than Zero. Oh, that's a, that's great, a, that's song. a great, great song. fucking song. Uh, it came out May 25th, 1977. Uh, he had some other songs that were he was performing live that would end up on that first album yeah. that would come out later in the year called My Aim Is True. Uh, you know the song that, Allison. Out of, that's, yeah. Let me tell you, that yeah. album. Angel's is gonna a, wear my red shoes. That's a masterpiece. Like yeah. where you take out, like for his first album. To right. me, I think it that is. is one of his best albums. It's probably his best album. You no, know, and yeah. um, then I love, I love the third album, which was also Arm, great. Four, Armed Forces. Yeah. But the, 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 that first album, you're a fucking rookie. You take out. <laughs> it was a fucking. Bad, it was yeah. brilliant. It yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely. I mean, Stiff was just getting started, and he was taking them right into yeah. the forefront. They yeah. had they had some good artists. The yeah. Damned were on Stiff oh, yeah. at the time. The Damned fucking uh, great. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, th- the problem with Stiff, though, in those days is they had no U.S. distribution. Yeah. So if you were on Stiff, the only way in America you could get those records was as an import. It was more money. A lot of people weren't doing that. So he wanted to get... But you uh, know what? That import shit was always good because it was like an underground community. Oh, yeah, but it was expensive. Under, yeah, it was, it expensive, was expensive. Yeah. I mean, I would pay... But that's where you knew you were a real record collector because oh, yeah. you would get yeah. those. But I need an import of this. One thing about Elvis Costello was he—he, he, I think he was looking for commercial success pretty much right away. Uh, even though he—he—he he, he was able to control his his music and yeah. direction, uh, he really did it by having a lot of commercial success in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. you know. Now, what I was saying but is, he was an actor also. He was—he's he acting. Did some, he did some acting. He did a lot yeah, of we'll acting. Get, we'll like, get into yeah, that. He's a yeah. fucking weird guy. Like that's he's why all over the place. The guy's all over the place. That's yeah. why I don't take him serious. He's like, are you a musician? You're an actor? Or you're a comedian? What the fuck do you want to do? Well, to me, it's it's the first couple albums for me. Yeah, you know, and then after that, it's kind of scattered. But he's got interesting things even in that period. Yeah. Um, what he did is he, he knew that Stiff didn't have any distribution. So what he did was there was a in London there happened to be a Columbia Records uh, executive meeting that he found out about. Wow. So he went in front of the building and played for tips in front of the building. <laughs> That's kind and of weird. And in England you can't do that. And he got himself arrested. And word somehow got, got out, out, okay? Yep. And he ended up getting signed with Columbia as for U.S. distribution. For US, which yeah. is brilliant. Which is brilliant, okay? How he pulled that off, I have no idea. You know, they got it, the, they got it, the Luxo album, Your Aim is True, and they added a lot of shit to oh, yeah. it, which is actually, they, it's actually a pretty good damn yeah, album. If you yeah, know. it is, it is. Now, talking about that album, um, his backing band for all these great songs was the band called Clover. Okay, they were an American band. Yeah. Clover actually would morph years later into Huey Lewis and the News. Ah, yes. Okay. Yes, uh, yes. Huey Lewis ended up being like a, was a singer in Clover. Yeah. The band played with Elvis Costello on that album, had nothing to do with him. Yeah. But that would morph into that later on. You know, Huey Lewis is a, it's a show that I think we're going to have to touch this year. What do you think about touching Huey Lewis and the News? You're going to have to get me really drunk. I'll get you stoned. I don't like that motherfucker. I love the first album, that one Ooh. album. No, you know what? We'll do him in one album. They have one great album. If you want to, yeah. I thought it was interesting. Because they were like, you know what? I love it when in, uh, in American Psycho. The guy yeah, I mean, they, you know, because it's, it's like, uptown too. They I know, just, I, I, and all the killings going on and shit. They, well, they did that with Susudio. Susudio, that was great. Yeah. I love that song. I want a new drug. Come on, that was a. That was probably the best song. That's they probably had. the only song I could listen to. So we can probably listen, we can probably do a thing on one song. And well, then we can we can talk about it. like eighties 
one hit wonders and shit. Oh, you know, I mean, that might be a great idea. Holy shit, one hit wonders. Yeah. yeah. They were more like new wave one hit, because even Costello was considered like a new wave, right? He was. Uh, Huey Lewis was not. No. He, Huey Lewis was just rock and roll, pop, crap. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, he would come out with the My Aim is True. Uh, later that year in 77. And Great album. It would be top 40 in the United States. Right away, yeah. it would do well. Uh, didn't ever hit single off it, really. No. Uh, in England, the, there was a non-LP single for the song Watching the Detectives. Yeah. Which is like a reggae-ish song. That's a yeah. fucking good song. Man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is and he actually didn't have that band with him on that song. He had guys from Graham Parker and The Rumor. Oh, yeah? Okay, so we had guys from The Rumor backing him on that song. It was a non-LP single, but it actually uh, did very well. Uh, kind of discusses like TV violence, yeah. and but it's over a reggae beat. It's fucking great. Now it's a great he tour. wanted to get a solid band together to record and tour with, and late the very end of '77, he would put together the Attractions, and that yeah, would be his backing band for a long time. I think they were with him to '86 or something, right? And then he would reform them yeah, later on. Reform now later on. that was uh, Steve Niev on piano. Bruce Thomas on bass and Pete Thomas on drums. They're not related, just so you know. Okay, now, he did something that is classic. December 17th, 1977, uh, the Sex Pistols were supposed to be on the Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Okay, now, they couldn't get into the country. They, they got it, fucked with their visas. This guy got And Elvis <laughs> Costello substituted. They were able to get him. That was great. But... When they spoke to him, they were like, well, what song are you going to do? And, and, you know, he gave them a list of songs he wanted to do. And one song that he wanted to do was Radio Radio, which hadn't, which wasn't on the album. Great but it was song. something he was working on. Yeah. And it's a song about uh, radio and fucked up commercialization yeah. of music <laughs> and stuff. And, and Lorne Michaels at SNL said, no, you can't do that song. So he says, okay, I'll do our single Less Than Zero. Yeah. Okay, which was the single off of My Aim is True. And they probably did Addis. They had to do Addis because they do two songs. I don't know. If, yeah, I guess, uh, well, it, it didn't even get that far because what happened was he starts doing Less Than Zero and, and then in, 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 the, in, the middle, in the middle of it, he, goes, he stops the band. No, 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 no. He stops it and, and he starts playing radio, radio. And that's it. And he was banned for the next 15 years or so, 12 years or so off Saturday Night Live after that. So That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you knew there was going to be controversy if it was the Sex Pistols that night. Yeah. Or it was Costello. But that was the event that kind of got him that name, The Angry Young Man. The Angry okay, Young okay, Man, yeah. The Angry Young Man. So, um... He went on tour with some other Stiff Records artists at that time in the States, and it was recorded as the live Stiff's album. Did pretty well. Uh, the band then went into a studio for the second album. This is as the Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Uh, it's the album This Year's Model, which is a very good album. Yeah. It was produced by Nick Lowe again. The first album was produced yeah. by Nick Lowe as yeah. well. Yep. This would be a partnership that would go on for quite a few albums. Uh, this is the album with Pump It Up, on it, which that's was a, uh, which was a hit, a real good song, okay, yeah. and uh, has radio, radio on it. Radio, uh, radio, a song called "I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea." <laughs> the yeah, the album was that's a big hit. Now they went on their first Australian tour at that point, and it was at the Regent Theater in Sydney where a riot broke out because he refused to do an encore. Okay, apparently he played long enough; he didn't want to do an encore. They started ripping up the chairs and seats and shit. And People lost their fucking mind. They lost their mind. Now. 
the U.S. tour was uh, mixed with a Canadian tour at that point, and that did very well too. He didn't have a hit single yet in America, but it would come soon. And uh, in the meantime, he was selling like a decent amount of albums. Um, he was getting lumped in with the oh, new, with my the sister's new wave watching. Scene. Hello, Rob's ha- sister. Happy birthday! <laughs> happy birthday. birthday! All right. Um, uh, you know, 1979, he came out with a third album, and this is probably my favorite album. Armed Forces? Armed Forces. Fucking great the one, album. The one with the Maybe. elephants on the cover? Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, Nick Lowe, again, would produce that. Uh, the original title was going to be called Emotional Fascism. And the, the, the record, co- the record company got on him for that. And uh, I think he had uh, lyrics in a song with that in it, but he changed his mind to Armed Forces. You know, The Oliver's Army, my favorite song of that fucking album. Yeah, me too. That, that song too. was like that was U- number two in the UK. Accidents will happen. Accidents will happen. Not a good song. Yeah. Like, now, um, it's also got my favorite too. Is the Nick Lowe written "What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding"? Peace, love, understand. I love that song. I love the video. It's just great. like it's just great. You know, Mike. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think this that was more like a political album, right? It was a total political album. I think it was. Because, like, all the shit that he talked about, you're like, oh, yeah, but it made you think, He's like, talking what the about fuck? historical stuff yeah. and, and, and political stuff, and, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting... It's different than the first two. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, it, it was definitely... I think it was his biggest selling by that point. Yeah. Okay? Now, he uh, would get into a little controversy again, okay, in March of 79. That album came out in January. Yeah. Went on an American tour. <clears throat> in March, he was in Columbus, Ohio hanging out in Holiday Inn and there happened to be Stephen Sills was there Stephen Stills was in Crosby Stills and Nash yes, yes and he was also hanging out with a, a singer that was around for a long time named Bonnie Bramley she played with different people um, they're at a Holiday Inn bar in Columbus, Ohio and they're having an argument what it's about exactly I'm not quite sure but apparently in the middle of the argument and, and they were all drunk okay uh Elvis Costello says something like, James Brown is a jive-ass nigga. Okay. And he also, and their, their response is like, what the fuck did you just say? And, and, he, What's dub- up, John? and he doubles down and he says something like, uh, you know, Ray Charles is a blind, ignorant nigga. All right. Now, it was a drunken conversation. He didn't think it was going to go past that point. But Bonnie Bramlett went to the press with it. Yes, yeah, she ratted him out. Shit, ratted him she ratted him out. Straight up. Okay? And he actually had to apologize in, in New York City in front of a, a press conference that he had to call <laughs> to show that he's not racist. Okay? So he claimed he was drunk, and he said he was trying to actually end the argument by saying something so fucking outrageous. That people would that stop th- talking. That, that they would just shut up. Right. That's what I do all the time. I know. I'll say I know. something but, like... it did, but it didn't work. <laughs> okay. And they, who, you know, who thought that somebody would go to the press and rat you out? Now, uh, he apologized to, to James Brown and, and Ray Charles publicly at the press conference. You know what the fuck? That Ray Charles never saw the apology. Ray Charles accepted the apology. No, but he never saw it. He, no, he never saw it. He only heard it because <laughs> he's a blind, ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Ray Charles was very cool about it because he said something like, "Listen, dr- drunken statements aren't meant to be printed." You know what? Yeah, and they're not. 
We you know. should have had Lou Reed's um, I Want to Be Black playing in the background. Maybe it was. Do the apology. Maybe it was. <laughs> the album's out. You never know. <laughs> Shoot 20 feet of jizz or two. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Moving right along here. Uh, now, uh, Elvis Costello previously worked extensively with uh, Britain's Rock Against Racism before and after this incident. Um, he would also, that year oh, in 79... has a watch party, please. Cool. Maybe somebody stuck it on. Um, what he would do is, he would in 79, he would get involved with the specials on their debut album, The Ska Band. Remember yeah, we that's did a, fucking, we did the a show on them. fucking great. Yeah. I can't even, yeah. Dude, that's a band that if they ever came around, because they were around. They were around, they were around last year. Yeah, I, I would love to see them. We got to get on that. We can go. They played the Gramercy. Um, February 15th, 1980, uh, they, he would come out with a soul-infused album called Get Happy. I like this album. Yeah, that, so, it's, real, okay? yeah, it's, right, it's got like the I Can't Stand Up For Falling Down, the yes. old Sam and Dave song. Uh, the cover of the album looks like uh, an old 60s like R&B band kind of thing. Uh, it, again, it will be produced by Nick Lowe. It will get to number 11 in the United States, is his best so far. Yeah. And uh, he, like I said, I Can't Stand Up For Falling Down was a hit. Beaten to the Punch, High Fidelity. It was an upbeat album, whereas the last couple albums were a yeah. little dark. Let me tell you, I can shit on him all I want, but he is a Grammy award-winning artist. And he also won the Brit Bet's um, Singer of the Year Award once. See, I can shit on people that have that on their credit. Yeah. I don't give Mel's a fuck a, about yeah. that. What, the, the, what I like but about the Grammy, him, he won it. You know, you know what? That's something that it's hard to do. It's hard, it's to, hard do. to do. But for Grammy, him to do. But yeah, I mean, and he, he he's oh, and he's in your favorite place, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Where I give him credit is. He had that stretch between 77 and, and like, 81, 82, where he oh, put out a lot of albums. Credit. I'll give him to no, I mean, 79. I love... Um, well, I mean, like, the Get Happy album is all right. That's they, 79. Oh, yeah, but then he became Patti Smith, and I got to shit on her and shit and on him. He became worse than Patti Smith, yeah. I think. Uh, but, anyway, January of 81, he would come out with the Trust album. And this, to me, is where he kind of just starts yeah, going down. Like, yeah. Okay, uh... At that point, there was a lot of tensions going on between Pete and Bruce Thomas and the attractions. They were about to break up. Yeah. There was a single called uh, Watch Your Step that they performed on the Tom <laughs> Snyder show, the, the Tomorrow Show, which was pretty good. But yeah. the album was weak. Uh, it, he says it himself. It's one of the worst, like, produced albums that he ever yeah. made. You know, uh, 1981, he would go in a different direction. Uh, and I give him this He was trying to reinvent himself a little bit He was always a big country music fan Yep He so loves country music Yes So he comes out with the Almost Blue album Okay And it was all country music songs You covers. know what that, that, that was not that bad I gotta tell you No it's that not a bad like album a But, it, but it's all covers It's, it's all, all covers Right He does yeah. Merle Haggard Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hank Williams uh, He also covers Graham Parsons You know what I, I shit on him But that album I actually enjoyed that album You, know, I was listening to that album While I was it's doing the research album. I did, first of all, the first thing I did, I listened to the third album, now this is the third album and fourth. And then I listened to this album, which I forgot he did the country album, because, yeah. you know, after you... And he would go back to country later on and yeah, other, other stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It was a ballsy move. Yeah. Because early, 80, 80, early 80s, country music wasn't really in the forefront of American music anymore. So for him to come out and do that was, you know, 
a ballsy move. That is a ballsy move. You know who, who was a guy that kind of did that? Like Johnny Cash did. They had well, Johnny Cash was always country. He then wasn't going to do anything then else. Then he turned around and do a little gospel. And then by the end of his career, he was covering all these songs. And yeah. the song was better than the original. Cash is, to me, is, in, a, is in a category all I by love, I love his Hurt more than the original Hurt. Me too. It's funny, it's the Nine Inch Dell was the Nine Inch Dell that did Nine the first Nine Inch Dell, yeah. His, his is superior. Uh, I think most people will say that. Uh, I, I love that I, one. I so. um, July of 82, again, he's coming out with at least an album a year. Yep. Uh, he would come out with Imperial Bedroom. This would be a change. He would not have Nick Lowe with him on this album. Oh, yeah. Okay, and uh, it's not a great album. There's a lot of lavish productions on it. Uh, he wanted to experiment with things. What's up, uh, he ended up getting um, he ended up getting Jeff uh, Emmerich, who was the former Beatles sound engineer to produce yep. that album. Okay, uh, there was a song called Beyond Belief, uh, Tears Before Bedtime. Uh, he had dedicated some of the songs to Chet Baker, the jazz uh, artist on the album. It was a different direction for him. Um, he was starting to experiment, and to me, I I, I felt he was. Getting a little off the rails a little bit. I think. No, he he been off the rails for a while. But you, you know what the problem? He's such a talented guy that if he yeah. would have stuck to one thing, but then he got all, to me. I think he got too political. He started shit like he yeah, got yeah. He, he, he did like, he did get very uh, he would he get political. Alone, man, I mean he did play Live Aid. Okay, yep. and uh, anyway we're getting to that. Okay, in August of '83, he would release an album called Punch the Clock. Uh, it was produced by Clive Langer and Alan uh, Winston Lee, and that would finally get him his his big uh, top forty single in America, which yep. was the song "Every Day I Write the Book." Yep. Okay. That's uh, actually a pretty it's decent a good song. song. It's a good song. It got to number thirty-three. Yeah. Um, he had gotten. This was another album where he was getting some different ideas. He got um, this girl backing band called uh, Aphrodisiac. To play on the album you know and, how we like those yeah and a four-piece horn section called the tko horns so he was expanding his band uh with the attractions but that sound was kind of that sound was kind of weird for that time it was a very yeah, different sound yeah it was it was different it's a different sound like not too many people had that kind of no no he was definitely was onto such something. A, yeah he was there was a, a song on there called shipbuilding which was a tribute to Chet Baker also. Oh, shit. And uh, he would actually, Chet Baker would actually re-record that song later on. (laughs) Fantastic. No relation to me. No, not to the real Mike Baker? Nope, nope, not related to (laughs) Okay. Um, At this point in 83, band tensions with the the, the attractions was uh, really kind of at an all-time high. So, you, you know, I think that he was sick of having this band that he wasn't getting along with. Yeah. Uh, they weren't interested in experimental stuff that he was getting into. Uh, he basically announces at that point that the next album that was going to come out was going to be their last album, uh, and he was breaking up the band. Yeah. Okay? He was also talking about going into retirement, which, you know, would not last it long. It that, yeah. Okay? But uh, the album was called Goodbye Crew World. <laughs> okay? Appropriately <laughs> called. Appropriately called. In 1984. Um... It, it. I remember when this came out. Uh, they were they were trying to sell it. The single off it was called "The Only Flame in Town," and it was a duet with Daryl Hall from Daryl Hall and John Oates. I thought that was okay. I mean, no, it sucked. It, it, no, it, it wasn't okay. It sucked. Okay, 
and, 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 and it was a bag of dicks. It was a bag of dicks. Okay. <laughs> now, you know, it's funny Even the album was called. It, it's that. funny the album's called Goodbye Cruel World. It's supposed to be his last album, but at least come up with some good songs. Yeah, okay. It was terrible. And it, it just was badly received. And, and what's so funny is the band knows it because in 1995. When they re-released it with extra tracks, they were they were doing all that with Rhino Records on his, on his catalog. He put a a comment in the liner notes saying like, um, "Congratulations, you just bought our worst album." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know what he did? That he really he hated this band. He wanted yeah. to disband. He wanted to go. He wasn't happy. Yeah. But you know what? This guy, as much as you, as I'm not a, I'm not a fan of fucking Elvis Costello. I, 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 say I'm a, a I, say, I say I'm a fan uh, up until a certain point. But you gotta understand, the guy had twenty. He released twenty five fucking albums. Yeah, and he only, got only L- about five were good. He got like an LP now with four albums that came out last he, year. He got more. He got more famous almost off of stuff that wasn't what he originally was doing. Yeah, you know, um, guys like Paul McCartney. <coughs> um, Billy Joel, they get into these like these these things where they want to get into classical music yeah, and branch out. And I'm always kind of like, why? No one wants yeah. to really hear no. that. I mean, they're doing it for themselves. I guess that's okay. Yeah. But are you bored with what you're doing? They, they, they are I, mean, I mean, well, you know what? Maybe it's time to you hang know, it up. What do you think about Neil Diamond every day? Sure, Neil. Diamond. You know what? I actually like Neil. Diamond. I love Neil Diamond. I, I like Neil Diamond more than I like Elvis Costello. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I think you know. Hey, he's the Jewish Elvis. Yeah. All right. And and, and he, <laughs> you know, okay, he is. All right. And he's just a cool motherfucker. You ever see the movie Saving Silverman? Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, in, in Once Upon a Time in, America, oh. in Hollywood, they they had oh, had that man. track, the the uh, brothers. With the yeah. Brothers Love show, yeah. whatever that fucking song is called, it's a great song. Dude, okay. let's get off the topic. Yeah. How great was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Great, fantastic. You know, you you love the Irishman, but I thought Once no, Upon no, no, a no, no. Time. I'm not, I'm not comparing the two. I like Once the Irishman, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was way phenomenal. better. Oh yeah, yeah. I love the yeah. way they shit it up, Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, and that that scene, that scene. <laughs> when, I, I bought the DVD last week, and it came on Amazon. When I watched it that night. And when I watched it, I got to the scene with Bruce. I watched it like three times. And that was great. Okay. When he slammed. When, first of all, Pitt, Pitt's face, when Bruce Lee's talking all this shit. All right. His face, he's just like. And then he smiles and he laughs. And Bruce Lee's like, what are you laughing at? And when they start fighting, he throws him into the car. That is just classic. classic. Dude, the guy looked like Bruce Lee. Who was the actor? I got to look up. I don't know. That was but great. Bruce Lee's daughter, like, got all in a tiffle. Oh, because I didn't know. Did that. you hear about that? I didn't yeah. hear about that. Yeah, when it, when the movie was out well, back uh, in the spring, when it was in the theaters, uh, people were talking about that scene, and she said that she was pissed off at Tarantino for showing her father in that light that he was not that kind of person that would be like you know bragging and talking shit and everything. Totally was that person. But, but then you had people that came out and said, yeah, he kind of was like that a little bit. So you know, but it's a movie. Yeah. Get over it. It's a movie. Be happy. He that changed anybody... history again. Yeah, he, by did. The end. he right. did. He always does. And we're, time and we're, travel. And we're going to talk time about travel. the conspiracy about is, that. Is he a time travel? We're going to talk about conspiracy. <laughs> we're going to talk about that movie. It's going to be great. So let's go back right. to Costello. <laughs> Sorry to get you off, but... It's all right. Holy 1985, shit. Uh, he would come out with um, 
1985, he would be doing Live Aid. Okay, remember yep. Live Aid? Yeah, remember. All right, now, in that, uh, he played Live Aid. I think it was in England that he did this, because they had the different concerts going. Yeah. Yeah, he did the Beatles' All You Need Is Love. Yeah. Okay, and it was it became like a big sing-along. Yeah. Okay. All you need yep. is Now, he would come out with uh, a Pogues, the Pogues he was working with, um, their album called Rum, Sodomy, and the... Uh, what the hell is that called? The Clash. Rum, Sodomy, and the Clash. Right here. Over there. 1986, uh, he was working with his friend T-Bone Burnett, okay? And he had Elvis Presley's sideman James Burton and Jerry Chef produce an album called King of America. Another country-inspired kind of thing. Not a bad album, but I this was... I like the country album. It, I do like some of the country stuff he does. This was strictly an Elvis Costello solo album. Didn't yeah. have a backing band with him. All right. Um, there were some songs that he had a backing band called The Confederates oh, that yeah, he would the- play with, but the album was marketed as just Elvis Costello. Uh, that album also had the version of Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. We... I got... I just I just came up with an idea. Yeah. Have you seen the... Um, Confederacy of the United States movie. It's like if oh, the, oh, like if the South won the war. We're gonna do a show oh, about CSA. that movie. Okay. We're do- okay. <laughs> All right. We gotta. We should do a watch it on. Let's watch right. that movie. Yeah. And the fucking background noise. All right. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. That that was a TV movie actually. That was. That was yeah. done by Spike Lee, which is he was the producer. It was a TV movie, though. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was a movie. No, movie. It no, was like it, a was do- a t- it looked like a documentary. It was like a documentary, but it was on. It was on like Channel Seven. Or something. They had like a shopping that were full slaves. Yeah, it was, it was fucked up. It was ridiculous. It was so fucked up. I saw that shit the other day. I must have laughed for fucking thirty minutes. I couldn't believe this. It's fucking crazy. I, I I saw it when it came out. I remember being like, oh man. John Kelly told me about you yeah. gotta see this fucking movie. John Kelly told I me about it. I was like, what? What the hell are you talking? <laughs> about? Biggest John Kelly told me. And this and fucking uh, you know, Elvis Costello. I think when he did his solo stuff, he was much better than when he had a backup band. You know what? I'm ready to stop this fucking show and, and, and just not talk anymore about Elvis Costello and talk about other shit. Elvis Costello. Let's just finish it. We got good stuff going okay, on. Okay, cool, cool. We're cool. making the magic happen, We're baby. We're making the magic happen. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, man, Elvis, my man Elvis Presley is the key. That's right, Elvis Presley. We're talking about Elvis Costello, John. <laughs> Are you drunk? Should we do a Presley show? How weird would that be? I don't think we could touch that. If we, if we if we do if we do we got to do it like at the end when he was really fat. We got to do a conspiracy one with him where like he's really alive. He was like some oh, I saw that motherfucker the other day in Burger King. No, I saw him in TGI Friday. <laughs> I thought I saw him in Target one time. <laughs> he might be in Target. <laughs> I think, you see that report? Some woman, somebody, they found bed bugs in a Walmart? Oh. Have you seen somebody oh. just plant? Oh, you got it. It's phenomenal. I'll send you, you the link. No, somebody planted. Somebody had a pill jar. I put them in there. Oh. 1987, uh, he <coughs> come out with the uh, Out of Our Idiot album, which is like a compilation of B-sides and unreleased shit and everything. Uh, he's still every year, at least once a year, he's coming out with something. Now, nineteen eighty nine, he was the guy. He yeah, I mean, definitely music. Nineteen eighty nine, he would come out with the Spike album, and this would give him uh, his biggest selling U.S. single, the song Veronica. 
Oh, I song. remember Monica. That, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. That, that's a that was an, an alright song. Yeah. It was an alright song. Now, on this album, he actually worked with Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah. There's some songs that are penned between the two of them. Uh, again, I, th- he was getting a reputation as like this incredible songwriter. So for him to even like do something with Paul McCartney was a big thing. Yeah, you know? that's huge. Yeah, man. I mean, Paul and, McCartney, and I, I, I hand it to him for that. That's that's why yeah. I even wanted to do this show because he really is that great songwriter. Even though he's done a lot of stuff that I think is shit. Yeah, there's still like a core of stuff that I think. But is that's good. like every song, right? After you do it so long, you you, you gotta fucking take a few shit album and just take the hit, you know? You know this? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, look at Lou Reed. Lou Reed is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Yeah, but Lou Reed. And, and, and he was pretty consistent with what he did, except for a few here yeah. and there. You know, he makes an album of feedback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's different. But but mostly he was like just that three chord, two guitar kind of sound um, he would win an MTV Music Award for that song Veronica uh, now the last 30 years that was 89 in the last 31 years now okay he basically it's a period of like collaborations experimentations and compilations okay he does a lot of different things oh, yeah. and a lot of different box sets and of he's also doing acting like he's yeah. playing himself in a bunch of shows yeah. well, oh he's in like that. the Austin Powers movie yeah he was like in Austin yeah. Powers he was yeah. in uh, he was on Three Rock of, uh, two, uh, Third Rock of the Sun he was yep. I'm like, holy shit, because he's also like an actor. Like, he acted Well, in sometimes movie. he plays himself. Sometimes he would play another musician, but yeah. both mostly based on himself. Yeah. I don't think he's done anything outright acting where he's playing in the whole movie, right? I don't recall that. I didn't, no. come, I don't, didn't come across that in my research. But he did a lot of acting in England. Like, he was in a commercial in England. He yeah. He did some yeah. acting, which yeah. like, holy shit. Now, uh, 1991, he would release an album called Mighty Like a Rose with a single called The Other Side of Summer. Uh, 1993, he started getting into classical music, and he did this collaboration um, with the Brodsky Quartet, and it was called the Juliet Letters. He was critically acclaimed. Uh, he also wrote that album for Wendy James, who was the singer, to Transvision Vamp. She was a hottie. Yes. Yeah, okay. Really he wrote all that whole album for her. That came out in '93, and it's called "Now Ain't the Time for Your Tears." 1994, he would get the attractions back together again. Yep. Okay, big deal. Recruit them. He recruited them again, and uh, it was called Brutal Youth. 1995, he would come out with an album of covers called Kojak Variety. Yes. 96, All the Useless Beauty, and the album, uh, it it was an album of songs that he had written for other people. Yep. That he did himself. Yep. Okay. Uh, and he actually wrote a lot of songs for a lot of other people. He did. It's amazing. He did. Like I like you go you go through that um that catalog and you see all the songs and he wrote this for this and that. You know what he he did a lot of songs that he wrote that he could have done, but I'm glad he gave it to other people. Yeah, I mean his throwaways. Who's the are other guy? Who's the other guy that does that? I can't even think of his name. Oh my god, I got a brain fart so bad. Um What's the guy with the harmonica? What Bob Dylan? Bob did it. Yeah. Bob Dylan's another guy. People think he's a well, terrible singer. He cannot sing. Bob, Bob Dylan's amazing. No, I mean, he, he cannot he, sing. No, he but can't he's sing. a great talker. He's the, to me. I tell people he's a songwriter. He's the first rapper. Kind of. Because he fucking talked his word, and when he talked, like 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 his, and I think Elvis Costello got a lot of things well, from then, Bob Dylan. Bob, because Bob Dylan, he that guy. Absolutely. That, it's Bob, like a Bob Dylan. If, if there was no Bob Dylan. 
we wouldn't be sitting here today talking about rock and roll. No. Because, you know, when, when people in the 60s that were into him, they, they, they would cover his songs. Great. You know, and it just changed the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he was could. a folk singer. I mean, he started in the late 50s. To me, I don't think, I, thought, I always thought Bob, I thought he's a horrible singer. Great songwriter. Yeah. Great song, I, 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 I like. I like the thing with Dylan. But with my brother, he he can talk. He can talk. Eh? Yeah. No, his lyrics are always interesting. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. lyrics are great. You know, Bobby. Uh, you know, I went a few years ago. Um, I used to hang out with this girl Mona. She got me a. Uh, uh, we went to the Chase uh, Museum. Yeah. And um, we went to the Bob Dylan exhibit. Yeah. And guess how Bob Dylan wrote most of his song. How. No, guess how he what he wrote most of his songs on. On what? Napkins, Napkins. from a diner. Yes, that's there true. were so many that's songs. Because he would Dude, be sitting there were co- hit song no, he, on he, a napkin. He'd be, he'd be sitting in coffee shops in the village, doing the doing the folk thing at the time in the fifties, writing songs on napkins. I was yeah. amazed by that's that. True. And it's like it's like albums, like they would have albums, albums on napkins. Yeah. Oh, I started writing this because I thought he would write stuff out of because yeah. oh, so I still started writing this and Every, I was a little fascinated any, by that. Any, anybody that's playing music today, you know, that's the guy that we Bob need Dylan. to do a two-part of Bob Dylan, which we should do after we do all well, this stuff. We could other do stuff. making of an album or two. You know, of, he's, oh, he yeah. had a long career. I'm a big fan of the Highway 61 album. Yes, great um, album. I listened to that uh, and some stuff around that time. Um, uh, Nashville Skyline, I like. That's like a country album, but. I hate to give Elvis Costello this, but he was a, I think he was a Bob Dylan disciple. Absolutely. I think he definitely took Without a lot of things for him. Without a doubt. Like you say, if it wasn't for Dylan, we wouldn't have no. all the stuff that we have. Yeah. Now, at that point in 96, when he got the attractions back together, um, 95, he got them back together. By 96, he was having a problem with the band again. Okay. I still think that was his best band, to tell you the yeah. truth. Yeah, well, it was. I think that was the best yeah. material he did. That yeah. and the first album before yeah. he had the attraction. Yeah. But uh, Bruce Thomas left, and, and, and the band basically broke up. Um, he would then put together Elvis Costello and the Impostors. I thought that was which, bad. Which, they, they, they actually, <laughs> they, they were actually good. They came out with a couple, there were some albums that were like a, a back-to-form kind of yeah. thing. Uh, 1997... He had a greatest hits album uh, called Extreme Honey. Um, he was experimenting much more with jazz at this point. And in 96, he began working with Burt Bacharach. Wow. All right, yeah. And he did um, the song called God Give Me Strength for the movie Grace of My Heart, yep. which is a great movie. You ever it seen that movie? I've seen that movie. Great yeah, fucking yeah. movie. Uh, it, it's, uh, I love that movie. It's, yeah. I've seen it so many times. Uh, and he wrote the song. It's supposed to be about Carol King. Yeah, but it's a different name. Yeah, and uh, that song uh, "God Give Me Strength" is like a big hit for yeah. this Carol King character. But Elvis Costello wrote yeah. the song. Yeah. Um, 1998, uh, he would be uh, released on Mercury Records. He would be signed up with them, um, and it would be uh, he would also show up in a Austin Powers movie yes. that year. Okay, the spy who shagged me. Yeah. All right. Remember the scene with Burt Bacharach? He's like on the piano. Yeah. You want to hear something funny? Yeah. They're going to do a uh, one more movie. Austin Powers come for one more movie. They're bringing another one back. One more. Yeah. I'll go see it. Now, 1999, he hosted SNL. Yes. All right. Yeah. He had been there before the band was lifted in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but in 99, 
he hosted it again, and it was when the Beastie Boys were on, and they were doing Sabotage. Yeah. And right in the middle of them doing it, he broke in with them. Yeah. And he made them do Radio Radio. Radio Radio. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, 2001 to 2005, Rhino Records would get interested in Elvis's uh, catalog. That's and an interesting company, Rhino. I love Rhino. Rhino I, I think yeah, Rhino is one of the best companies yeah. out today yep. as far as re-releasing things, they're doing fantastic. things, you know, original artwork. Yeah. Yep. Coming, and, 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 and their stuff is not that expensive. No. You know, no, and, and they're, I have tons of their stuff. I love I love Rhino, right? Yeah. You know, Rhino level, like Rhino, that's a fantastic thing. Yeah. You know, they take things and they just redo it. And they do it in the right way, which is they do. Hard. They do, and they, they'll they'll look at an album originally how it came out, whatever artwork, and just reproduce it. Yep. It's and fantastic. if they have to spend money to do it, they'll do it. They'll they, do it. Yeah. yeah. Very good company. Um, March of two thousand and three. What happened? What happened? My favorite thing. You got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I knew that. Yeah. I'd rather you yeah. say the Rock and Roll. <laughs> he deserves it. No, nah, he deserves it. He like, deserves it. And, uh, and like I was saying, Rolling Stone magazine, out of the 100 top artists of all time, he's number 80. Do you think that's a good? Yeah, I would put him in. The, in yeah, I wouldn't put him much higher than that. I'd yeah. say 90s, but 80s. Yeah, I mean it's okay. Um, uh, you know, some people really kiss his ass and they put him higher. Yeah, and those people I don't get. But I mean, I put Bob did in the top 20 at least. Bob. Bob Dylan's in the top ten. You, I ha- yeah, you, have, you, have, you have to, or top just, twenty. You have to. I just, I just have a problem with the way he talks his words. He's a great songwriter, but it, he's just too it's important. Great other people, yeah, I mean, he, his songs and are so better. many did that you don't even realize it. I would put Willie Nelson in the top ten. Top you might 20, not, top you crazy? I think Willie Nelson and yeah. Bob Ditto about the same thing. No, not me. Not me. I like some Willie. Willie's fucking great. (laughs) Outlaw country guys I like. Oh, yeah. Um, May of 2003, uh, he announced his engagement to jazz singer Diana Krall. Earlier, he had been married to Cato Rurden from from the Pokes. Yes. Uh, I think they had a kid together or something, but they broke up, and he hooked up with Diana Krall. Now, in 2004, in July of that year, he actually wrote a ballet, okay? Called Il Sogno, all right, and it would come out as a classical release in September of that year. Uh, he returned back to country also that year uh, with with um, Elvis Costello and the Imposters, an album called Lost Highway. So, in one year, he puts out a classical music and a country yeah, album. Okay. The country, I thought he was good at country. When he does country, I, I don't mind. He should have left the country. And yeah. the, I hated the classical. I have no, no interest I, in I mean, the classical. And there is classical music I like, but I like classical music that's actually classical, not yeah, something like, that's yeah. coming out now. I don't care. I don't like. I yeah. didn't like none of his classical shit. Yeah. That's like. I mean, I do like things like Wagner and stuff like that, but I gotta be yeah, in the but mood that's to Wagner, listen. To. You gotta that's listen. A to whole it. different thing. Yeah, exactly. Beethoven, Wagner. That's right. a whole different kind right. of shit. Right, right. Now, September of 2006, uh, on the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, he would uh, be down in New Orleans, and he would connect with the legendary New Orleans performer Alan Toussaint. Okay, and uh, they would do a, um, a benefit for. Katrina survivors and it would actually morph into an album called River in Reverse 
and, and anytime you have a chance to work with Alan Toussaint, that's that's amazing. That's a pretty decent album. He, he, Dr. Yeah. John worked yeah, with Dr. him. Yep. Remember, we that were talking good. about that, that last good. week. Uh, that was a good album. Yeah, yeah. 2006, uh, he would get involved with some opera pieces with Sting from the police. Uh, yeah, Sting come, went through that weird phase that he was doing. Doing that. stuff like yeah. that. Elvis Costello was there with him. Yeah. Uh, the Danish Royal Opera signed him to write an opera, which he did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he also went on tour with Sting when Sting brought back the police about 12 years ago in 2007, 2008. Was that uh, also where he released the Desiree album? Desiree. Wait, wait. Sting? Maybe. I don't pay attention. We went through that whole class. We went through that weird phase yeah. that we were doing very. Yeah, maybe. Not a fan of the guy at all. Uh, I like to go on tour with Sade. Yes. And be her smooth operator. Yeah. She's got a big forehead. I don't care. I'll get that shit. It's a nice target. <laughs> it's a nice target. Once you're done. Thank you. Bukaki target. Um, That's a better target than the general from Iran. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going off the rails today. We just Ooh, talked about Bukaki and Chardet. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I got a nice aim for you, honey. Oh, my aim is true. My you're aim. there. <laughs> I'll hit that bitch in the forehead. <laughs> My aim is true. That was Costello, man. Try that, Costello. What a night. Oh, man. Now, in May of 2009, uh, Mr. Costello would do a surprise performance with Spinal Tap at the Beacon Theater. Okay, he showed up while they were playing, and he did one song called, you know, Give Me Some Money, when they were like that 60s band. Yeah, yeah. Give Me Some Money. money. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yep. May 2010, Okay, he would uh, get political again, and he would pull out of uh, a concert that was set in Israel. Uh, he was against the Israeli treatment of Palestinians. He pulled out of that wow, concert. He's, and he's still singing? Yeah. He lucky, didn't get him. He's lucky he didn't get Epstein. Yeah. Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> released, he released a memoir in October of 2015 called uh, Unfaithful Music and the Disappearing... What the hell was it? Info. What the, I can't even read my own handwriting. You need I to stop what, writing Chinese. You're you a know, fucking round eye. I can't read my own shit. It's true. It's true. Whatever. Look it up on Wikipedia. That's what I got the information anyway. All right. Uh, what I got to mention, too, and you would know this, is the second season of The Deuce used... This year's girl. Yes. As the as the yes. song, yes. and it was re-recorded with a demo with some yes. chick. I don't know who it was, but uh, I was. I remember when you know I was a big fan of the show, and and I'm like, oh shit, they're using all this custom, you know. And he did it as a duet. It was very good. Yeah. That was a good season too. Uh, he would reconnect again in October of 2018 with Burt Bacharach, uh, and he would also come out with an album called Look Now with Elvis Costello and the Impostors. 2019. He would get knighted by the queen. Yes. So he is now a sir. Sir Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello. Okay. And uh, I'm done. That's it. That's a lot of, a lot you, know of what, info. you know what the guy, but the guy, I just know, he also had an EP last year. Like he had four songs and a thing that he came out. You see that? I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, I was listening to today. He had like one or two good songs. Yeah. Uh, you know what, I, I, I use Apple, I got my app, Apple Music, so I got a limited of shit that people come up. But there was a lot of shit between the time. 
to me, so, to me, you know, Elvis Costello. If you're like a rock guy, like me, rock and roll guy, it's just like the first four or five albums, and then after that, it's very sporadic. Yeah. But there's people that like these later periods. He get, he got into a lot of different things. I got to say, I love the country. Some of the country I stuff. I love the is country. Good. Uh, the album of the week. Okay, uh, it's going to be Armed Forces. Armed Forces, that's great my album. favorite album from him. Uh, but I'm going to change gears here to do something I don't usually do. Usually, I pick a song of the week yeah. for the artist we're talking about. Yeah. Not doing that this week. Oh, okay. So who's a... Well, I'm going to shift gears here. We're going to talk about the song of the week, which is the Ziggy Stardust that Bauhaus did. Ooh, that's okay. a great song. Now, the reason I bring this up is because January 21st, Peter Murphy is playing uh, La Poison Rouge here in the city. Yes. Now, Peter Murphy was a singer at Bauhaus. That's like in two weeks, right? That's yeah, like a Tuesday, right? Tuesday night? Well, that night is a Tuesday night, I think. Uh, we're not going to that show. What we're going to is, that was the first night of his music only. What day are we going to? We're going on uh, the 24th, which is the second night of the Bowie tribute that he's doing. What day is that? That's a Thursday, right? I think it's a Thursday or a Friday. I gotta tell my job I'm leaving early that day. Yeah, well, it starts at like 8. Oh, so I yeah, you, I you'll make it. Time. You'll make it, yeah. Uh, January 23rd and 24th, Peter Murphy is at La Poison Rouge again. He has a residency that he's making up shows because he had a heart attack wow. last year. But he's making up the shows. He's fine now. He's got Bauhaus back together. Uh, they are actually playing Radio City on June 24th. That's going to be phenomenal. We're going. Yeah, okay. I got to give you some money. So we'll talk give about money next week. I got to give him some money. Yep. We, we go, we, we're doing a lot. Of, so we're probably going to have a Bauhaus episode of the rock yeah, show. Yeah, maybe closer to the show. Um, I, I know some people that went to the L.A. show, okay, when Bauhaus got back together. Last month, I think it was, or the month before. Fantastic. Uh... Get your goth on. Get, get, get your goth on. Get the tickets for Radio City. It'll be a good show. And I would like to tell you people, we also got one extra day of Black History Month. It's February 29th. 29. Yep. It's a year. I think we should do a special rock show tribute on that day, and we'll do a very special artist. Buckwheat? Buckwheat. And his songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I think we should do a little maybe um, Jack Johnson, the great... Um, Musician, a lot of song, Texas, um, about Texas Robert, Flood. About Robert Johnson. Oh, we could do Robert Johnson too, either one of those. Yeah, Black, uh, Black History Month, we're doing a two parter on Bob Marley. And Le- Le- show Betty. On I was thinking about Lev Betty. Okay. And what was Lev Betty? We can talk about different blues guys. Wasn't Lev Betty Jack What was his real name? Lev Betty's name. It's not Jack Johnson. I forget. I forget. But Lev Betty, I have. You want you want to do a show on like blues guys? Yeah, let's do a whole Sunhouse and Robert Johnson. Yeah, we'll do a whole thing with that. But yeah, we can talk about the old classic. Like we'll be like a show on the actual leap year. It'll be on leap year. It'll be on the leap year. It'll be a special rock show edition. Good idea. Extra day. For Black History, <laughs> you're always, you're the, you know, your mind is alcohol soaked, yeah. but it's always working. I, I don't, I'm, I don't always think, but what I do is <laughs> because I'm drinking. <laughs> That's true. Joseki put that up your ass. That's true. So he's the most interesting man alive. I was the most lumped up man alive on Tuesday. <laughs> How were you on New Year's Eve? I haven't uh, seen you since. Oh then. man, I got fucked up the day after. I was talking. Oh yeah, New Year's Day you went out, right? Oh, you... I got fucked up. Oh, I was not the best Rob Rossi ever. Oh shit. So um, Mike, 
How do we end this show, Rocker Mike? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that if you're looking for Rob Rossi, you got to find him on Instagram. Definitely Instagram. Okay. Uh, Twitter. Twitter, yep. And local saloon. Local saloon. But I actually changed. Um, so don't look at me on Rob. Look at me on the lumped up label. Getting lumped up. Getting lumped up. I'm on every social media. Right. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Right. I'm on on YouTube. The right. YouTube thing we really need. We're like yeah. 15 fans away from really anybody doing out the there. Thing. If you're not a member, or subscribe member on the YouTube channel. Go Get to getting now. lumped up. See his face. Yeah. Hit like and subscribe, please. We're almost there. We're gonna try to make some money out of this. We career. wanna try to do something. We're try actually we yeah. wanna make this a job and we can entertain you. I can get more better video. Yeah. I can get actually people better get some real guests, better production, get some guests to pay because we're like like for twenty twenty we're moving forward with this project and yeah. we need to like really get it out there. This is a movement. This is something that uh, we work hard on. We do a lot of research. Yep. And I hope you guys appreciate it because we do it for you, the fans. And if you're looking for me, I am on uh, Instagram, RockerMike212, RockerMike212. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's RockerMike3. And Facebook under my real name, which is Michael Baker, B-A-K-E-R. And Mike, remember, we don't get drunk. We get, we get lumped, lumped up. up. Have a good day. Go fuck yourself. Thank you.